0: good to see you this morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. And sometimes I think when we start a service, how can I start it in a way that expresses how much it means to have you here. And sometimes it's the same words to come out, but we really don't take it for granted that you're here. We're really thankful that you're here. Love the stage perspective of being able to look across and see ones that Uh, I love very much and love me and us very much too, so thank you for being here. May God bless you this morning. Um, Let's start by considering Psalm 103, a couple verses that uh, Don may be referring to in his message this morning, but uh, these verses in verse 13 and 14 put things in perspective. As the father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him for he knows our frame he remembers that we are dust not a very uh... flattering picture is it that we are dust once the last time you introduced yourself said hey um, my name is so-and-so and i'm dust <laughs> but it's true it's true god wonderfully is the only one that gave us life from the dust and unless the rapture happens eventually we will return to the dust but i know my redeemer lives as Job says, and I will see him in my flesh, and it's all God who gives us life, it's all God who gives us everything we need, and we can pray, and praise God that he not only gives us life, but through the spirit, Jesus prays for us, he intercedes for us, he takes care of us, let's praise God for that as we bow our heads for a moment. Lord, as creator God, you know us better than we could possibly know ourselves. You know our thoughts. You know our ways. um, You know our future. You know everything. But best of all, you know us through your son, for those of us who are believers. Thank you so much. We know we don't deserve your love. We know we don't deserve anything good that happens to us in this life or the next, and yet you give it to us anyway. How amazing, Lord. Again, behold how deep the Father's love is for us that we should be called children of God. Thank you for that. And thank you for, in the meantime, doing everything in us and for us as we aw- await the day when we see you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is our cornerstone, amen? Amen. amen. Let's stand and sing. scripture, as we read through, think of the New Testament this morning and the Pharisees that rejected that cornerstone. How could he be? It just didn't add up in their mind, and Jesus didn't follow the rules, did he, according to the way that the Pharisees believed they should follow, and we thank God that he did not because he showed us the way, the truth, and the life, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father but through him. Praise him for that, our cornerstone. Let's continue singing. from where our help comes from.
1: We are so glad that every one of you are here with us this morning, including those that are joining us uh, by Facebook, through social media. We are glad that you're here with us this morning. If you're here present with us though, and this maybe is your first time visiting with us, we want to extend a special welcome to you. We also want to invite you to go back to our connection corner where we can um, maybe learn a little bit more about you. You can learn a little bit more about us. It's just back there in the back of our auditorium. There's also information back there about our Sunday school hour following our morning service. So if you'd like to know uh, what classroom you can plug into afterwards, we invite you to go back there Uh, just to find out where you might be able to best fit in. Um, Also back in the connection corner, um, just a reminder that uh, they can also help you with a few other things even if you are uh, a member of the church or if you've been coming here for a while. And two of the things they can do back there is one, there's sign-up sheets back there, information about different things that are coming up. Also, um, we have a um, instant church directory. It's a cell phone app, and it helps you to be able to um, quickly get onto the directory of the church to find maybe a number or address of a person in the church. If you need to update that information, or if you would like access to that, or if you need to give us maybe some information so we can put that a part of the church directory, uh, please uh, see. The people in the back as well, they can help you out with that. Also, if you're not part of our flock note and you don't know what that is, then maybe you should be part of it. Um, Because our flock note is um, just messages that will go out from the church. It will come right to either your email or your um, text message. And it will let you know of uh, possible cancellations or other information uh, from the church that may be pertinent to you. So if you'd like to sign up for that, uh, make sure you just go back and see them as well. As I mentioned, there's a couple other sign-ups back there. One is for the Man Up event. Um, we encourage you men to be part of that. There's, um, more, we'll share more information in the future, but uh, there's information in the back uh, to sign up for that. That's for men. And then for ladies, there is the Ladies Life. Um, So, again, if you want more information on that, specifically for ladies, again, there's information back. Um, This morning's uh, offering is going to be for a church plant in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, that the Dockers and Taylors are a part of. And we encourage you this morning during the Sunday School Hour to give towards that ministry. If you'd like to know more about it, there is more information in your bulletin Uh, on the front page, just to kind of get you up to speed if you're not familiar with their ministry there. Um, I believe that is all the announcements I have for you this morning. So we'll turn it over to Pastor Don.
2: Stand together for prayer. Father, it's a joy to be here this morning with those of like precious faith, we recognize that as your church gathers together, you are indeed in our midst, and you are with us in a very real way, and I pray, Father, that we would not only enjoy our fellowship with one another, but our fellowship would be with you. We thank you, Father, that as we have sung this morning, you are indeed the Ancient of Days, and that time is coming when we will stand face to face with the Ancient of Days, and Father, we look forward to that hope that is ours in Jesus Christ, In the meantime, we are here on this earth. You've given us responsibilities to fulfill. We are to be a a witness for you and a testimony for you. We are to point others to Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, that indeed, even though we may go through some challenges and some difficulties in this life, as we've sung this morning, through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. We thank you for that promise, that you would be in control of every circumstance and every situation. And even this morning, Father, as we open your word together and we study, we're looking at the truth that Christ is at the Father's right hand interceding for us. He prays for us, especially in those times of, of challenges, in those times of trials, in those times of difficulties. Our Savior is praying for us. We, we take great comfort in that truth and in that knowledge. And we recognize that, that in our flesh we are weak. We are but dust. We cannot depend upon our own strength. We must depend upon you. We, we must put on your whole armor. for We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And Father, we, we can't stand in those circumstances on our own. We need you. We need your strength. We need your help. We need the prayers of our Savior, his intercessory work in our behalf. Father, this morning as we consider these truths, I pray that we would humble ourselves before you. You give grace to the humble and we need your grace. And your grace is sufficient. We recognize that that, uh, left to ourselves we cannot be victorious. But your grace is sufficient for that victory. And I pray that we would humble ourselves before you. Thank you, Father, for each one here today. We know that each one of us are facing those uh, circumstances and situations, and you know you know the heart of each one of us. You know exactly what we need. And I pray, Father, that as we worship you this morning, those needs would be met, that we would see your truth, and that in that truth we would continue to meditate and contemplate on how we can apply that truth to our situation, to our circumstance, to the the. Uh, issues that we are facing presently, and I'd ask, Father, that you would give us that ability and that wisdom to apply your word to our hearts. We thank you again for the the privilege that we have to worship you together. Thank you for the way you have blessed us as a church. We continue to seek those blessings, and I pray, Father, that we would be in the place of your blessing so that we would not be lifted up with pride, that we would be humbling ourselves under your mighty hand. Thank you that Christ is the head of the church. May we always allow him to be that head and follow his leading in his direction. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated.
3: ear to ear and face to face with somebody less than perfect I wouldn't choose me first if I was looking for a champion in fact I'd understand if you picked everyone before me but that's just not my story true to who you are you saw my heart and made something out of nothing I don't need my stay quiet. I'm meant to be a lion. I'll roar beyond a song with every moment that I've got. True to who you are, you saw my heart and made something out
0: Thanks, Ann, for encouraging us this morning. Appreciate that from you. Thank you. Um, Thank you, congregation, for supporting our efforts and cause and encouragement to our our local police here this past month. Still have a few days left that I challenge you to pray for them. So thank you for that. We do have a guest coming to the Teen Sunday School class as well from that department, so really excited about that this morning. Also, um, just a, a great way to be a blessing. Thank you for that give you a peek ahead to to March. We are looking to reach out to our courthouse employees. There are many of them, um, but again, the most important thing we can do in any of this is pray. If you determine in your heart this month that you're going to make it a daily, regular, even weekly habit to pray for them, um, I believe that God is gonna work and uh, encourage them through our church. <clears throat> just a couple things about the courthouse they're one of a couple unique entities to exist in our own town in this county of course realize every county has a county seat but Towanda is it in Bradford County they employ approximately 200 people many of them are inside the building a number of them are outside the building as well and talking to a Christian there um, this past week he said that as far as prayer requests go pray that they would make the right decisions every one of them Um, from the court on down. Pray for their safety and pray for fair and peaceful elections, which we've enjoyed for a long time. But uh, of course, you know, the devil would want it very much differently in any nation, let alone ours, that uh, they would be disrupted. So uh, keep them in prayer. And as the, the month goes on, we're planning something to do for them. We'll fill you in. But in the meantime, thank you for praying for our policemen in February. Thank you for praying for them as well. Let's stand together and sing a couple terrific ones from Fanny Crosby. First and the last verse of this.
2: your attention this morning to Luke chapter 22. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 34 we read Christ that died, yea rather is risen again, is at the right hand of God making intercession for us. Hebrews 7, 25 tells us a very similar thought that Christ is ever living to make intercession for us. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 24 says that Christ appears in the presence of God for us. These verses emphasize that Christ is interceding in our behalf. What that means is He's praying for us. We have some examples in Scripture of Him praying for us. The, the, greatest example is John chapter 17, often referred to as the high priestly prayer of Christ, as he prays for his disciples, but he specifically says not only his disciples, but for those who would believe after them. That's us. He prays that, that the Father would keep us in his name, that the Father would keep us from the evil one. He prays that we might all be one in him. He prays that we might behold him in all of his glory. Christ prays for us. Another example of that truth is found here in Luke chapter 22. Specifically, here, he's praying for Peter. But I believe we can make application from this passage as it relates to us today. How Christ prays for us. Luke 22 and verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, strengthen the brethren." Peter, I've prayed for you. I've prayed that your faith not fail. And then when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. Why does Christ pray for Peter? Why does Christ pray for you and for me? Let's bow in prayer. Fathers, we consider this wonderful thought that our Savior is interceding in our behalf. He's praying for us. May we indeed find comfort and joy in that reality. And may we recognize why it is He does pray for us. and Thank You for that truth. And may we leave this place this morning rejoicing in that truth and acknowledging that our Savior prays for us. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. I would suggest to you, first of all, that Christ prays for us because He loves us. That seems like a very simple and obvious answer to why does Christ pray for us, but we need to mention it. He prays for us because He loves us. As we read this context, Peter says, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Think about, uh, and it's not specifically stated here that that Christ loves Peter, but but think about the tone of voice that Christ would have used when he said that to Peter. Do you think it was an angry tone of voice? Simon, Simon, you idiot. God wants, or or Satan wants you. (laughs) No, that's not his tone of voice at all. Or do you think it was apathy? Oh brother, Simon, Satan wants you again. No. You just read that and you just can, can tell that, that this came from a, a tone of voice of love, tone of voice of affection and, and care and concern. And So this was not out of, out of anger or frustration or apathy, it was a, a tone of voice that conveyed love for Peter. Simon, Simon, Satan desires to have you. And I've prayed for you. His tone of voice was one of love and, and one of concern. And certainly that concern would have come from recognizing what Peter was about to experience. We know that just shortly after this, Christ was going to be arrested, and the disciples were going to be scattered, and Peter. Was going to be put to the test. And he was going to deny his Lord three times. Christ knew that. In fact, uh, in the next verses, uh, Peter says and said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell you, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before you shall three times deny that you know me. Christ knew what Peter was about to go through. And he loved Peter and he was concerned for Peter and he prayed for Peter but as he knew what Peter was going to go through, he also knew what he was about to go through. He also knew that he was going to be going through the test and through the trial. And because he knew himself what that felt like, he could indeed sympathize with Peter as Peter was about to go through this trial and we read in Hebrews chapter 4. verse 15, that we have a high priest that can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. When you think about a high priest, that's someone who intercedes between God and man. and, And Christ is interceding for us. He's praying for us. And as our high priest, he is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Touched with the feeling. That's just one word in the original. Sympathos. From which we get our word sympathy. To feel with He feels with us because He knows the trials that we face. He's faced those trials also. And so out of love and out of concern, He he prays for Peter out of love and out of concern for us, out of sympathy for us, because He has experienced the trials we experience. He prays for us. So Christ knew what Peter was about to experience because in many ways, He's about to experience the same thing. And as our high priest He intercedes for us as He sympathizes with us out of His love for us. Why does Christ pray for us? Because He loves us. Why does Christ pray for me? Because He loves me. He sympathizes. He cares. He's concerned, especially in those times of challenges, in those times of trials. He prays for us. Secondly, I would suggest, because he takes responsibility for us. Notice he says, Simon, Satan has desired to have you. More accurately, the word that's used here, Satan has demanded you. Satan has demanded you. And it was a word used with reference to to one who was demanding the surrender of another. Really what's going on here is, is... He's telling Peter that that Satan has demanded from Christ that he surrender Peter to Satan. Peter, Satan has demanded from me that I surrender you to him. And it's in, uh, again, not to get technical, but just to emphasize this, it's in the middle voice meaning Satan himself has demanded that I surrender you to him. He didn't send a demon. He didn't send some ambassador. Satan himself is making this demand that I surrender you to him. Perhaps uh, Satan had some confidence because he had victory with Judas. And so now he, having victory with Judas, has some confidence that maybe he can have victory with Peter. And he demands that Christ surrender him to him. Obviously that reminds us of the situation with Job, as, as, again, Satan, perhaps confident because of Judas, demands that Christ surrender Peter to, to him. But it was much like what happened with Job. Remember the story of Job. Satan appears before God and he says, uh, he says let me have Job. The only reason he's serving you, the only re- reason he's worshiping you is because you have blessed him so much. Just take away your blessing and he will curse you. Let me have him. Let me add him. And God granted that wish. He said, you can't touch him, but you can touch what he has. And so Satan took it all. He took his family, took his possessions, took his wealth. But Job did not curse God. Satan comes back to God and says, well, if you just let me touch him, he'll curse you. And so God said, okay, but can't take his life. So he had boils from the sole of his foot to the top of his head. Job still did not curse his God. but We have a similar situation here. As he demanded Job, he's now demanding Peter, let me add him so I can sift him as wheat. Let me put him through the fire. I'm going to prove that he's a phony. As he tried to prove that Job was a phony. He's now going to try to prove that Peter's a phony. He's just chaff. He's not the real thing. You know, as, as and we've mentioned this before, but when the, at one way to, to sift wheat was to throw, you know, pick up with the shovel and throw it through the fire. And as it would go through the fire, the, the chaff would burn and the wheat would land on the other side of the fire. Peter was going to be put through the fire by Satan. And Satan wanted to prove that he was just chaff, he was going to burn up. But Christ prayed for him. Why? Because he took responsibility for him. Just like with the case of Job, why did Satan specifically ask for Job and attack him? We are told in Job that Job was a righteous man who feared his God and worshipped him If Job was not a righteous man, if he wanted nothing to do with God, Satan would have wanted nothing to do with Job. He wouldn't have attacked Job if Job was just living for himself and didn't have a relationship with God. Satan would have left him alone. And the same here with Peter. The only reason Satan wants to attack Peter is because Peter has a relationship with Jesus. He's a disciple of Jesus. He's serving Jesus. And so Satan wants to attack him if... Peter was simply serving himself and living for himself, Satan would have left him alone. And so Christ recognizes that and he takes some responsibility for Peter. He's being attacked by Satan because of me. He's going to pray for Peter because he takes that responsibility for him. So Satan wanted to prove that Peter was just chaff, not the real thing. Christ took responsibility for Peter because he knew Satan would have left Peter alone if he was not a disciple of Christ and was living for himself. You know, if I knew that somebody was harassing you and attacking you and giving you a hard time simply because you were my friend, for no other reason, they're just attacking you because you're my friend, I would take some responsibility for that. I'd do all I could to help you. And that's what Christ does for Peter. Satan wants Peter because he's a disciple of Christ and so Christ is going to pray for him and take responsibility for him. When we're living for Christ, we're told in Scripture that the world's going to hate us because it hated Christ. Hated Christ first and so if we're going to live for Christ it's going to hate us and Christ takes responsibility for that. We're told that all that live godly in this world will suffer persecution. We live for ourselves, we live for the world, we won't suffer that persecution. But we live for God and live godly, we may suffer persecution. Christ takes responsibility for us, he prays for us. Christ prays for us because he knows we are weak. You know, when you think about the 12 disciples, we probably know more about Peter than any of the other disciples. And the reason we know more about Peter than any of the other disciples is because Peter was very transparent. You know, Peter didn't hesitate to let you know what he was thinking. He was very quick to give his opinion, he was very quick to jump in with his actions, and, and he was just very transparent. That's why we know so much more about Peter than many of the other disciples. You never had to wonder what Peter was thinking. He, he made it very clear. He jumped right in and told you. Now there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But in that rashness and in that, in that uh, uh, flamboyance if you will often it was stemming from pride. That was the problem. That was his weakness and Christ knew that. He knew that Peter was very vulnerable because of his pride and because of that weakness Christ prayed for him. In fact as he, as he prays here, I prayed that your faith fail not and, and then uh, when you are converted strengthen the brethren. And, and If Christ would have said to you, Satan wants you, he wants to shift you as wheat, he's going to put you through the trial. and. I've prayed that your faith fail not." And then he even hints that, Peter, you're not going to come through this trial very well because you're going to need to be converted when it's all over. If you would have heard that from Christ, what would have been your reaction? I mean, I would hope if I had heard that from Christ that I would say, whoa, (laughs) this isn't good. I better be praying too if Jesus thinks I need His prayers, I better start praying. And, and, and Satan wants me? And he's going to sift me? And, and, and there's a hint here that I'm going to not do so well through this trial. I'm going to have to be converted. I'm going to have to turn back. But what's Peter's attitude? Verse 33, don't worry about me, Jesus. I got this. I'm good. I'll go to prison with you. I'll even die with you. I, don't worry about me. You don't need to pray for me. Peter's pride was a weakness that Christ was aware of, and he knew that Peter needed his prayers because he was weak, lifted up with pride. So Peter was filled with pride, and Christ knew that that weakness would indeed get him in trouble. But Peter's not the only one that's weak, is he? We're all weak. None of us can stand on our own. We have nothing in and of ourselves. In Psalm chapter 78, the psalmist is rehearsing the history of Israel. He says in Psalm 78 verse 37, for their heart was not right with Him, that is the the heart of Israel was not right with God. Neither were they steadfast in his covenant. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yes, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh. God knows our weaknesses. He knows that we're but flesh. Christ knows that we're but flesh. He prays for us. Mike read earlier from Psalm 103, as a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him, for he knows our frame, he remembers that we are but dust. He knows our weakness, he prays for us, he has compassion for us in that weakness. Again, we go back to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. We we have that high priest that is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He sympathizes with our infirmities. The word infirmities there is weaknesses. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. He knows that we're weak. And because he knows we're weak and he feels with us in that weakness, he prays for us. We are but flesh, we are but dust, we are weak, we can't stand on our own, Ephesians chapter 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the the darkness, uh, the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in high places. If you think you can stand on your own against that, you will fail. We need the whole armor of God. Christ prays for us in our weaknesses. Now don't misunderstand. We are but flesh. We are but dust. Don't you dare use that as an excuse for your sin. That's not the point that we're making here. Christ has compassion on us. And He certainly prays for us because He knows our weaknesses. But he's not saying, well, because you're flesh, because you're dust, because you're only human, it's okay, I understand, go, go ahead. Sometimes I think we do that. Well, I know I shouldn't do this, but I'm only human. And so we go off and do our own thing against God's will. That's not what he's saying here. Yes, we are flesh, and yes, we are dust. But that's not an excuse for our sin. We're simply saying that as Christ knows our weakness, He prays for us, and He prays that we not sin in that weakness as flesh and dust. Christ prays for us because He knows our weakness and that we are no match for Satan. We cannot be victorious over Him in our own strength. Christ prays for us because He loves us, because He takes responsibility for us, because He knows we are weak, and because He's counting on us. Again, in this verse in Luke 22, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as we, but I've prayed for you. Your faith fail not, and when you are converted, strengthen the brethren. Strengthen the brethren. Now, He prays that his faith fail not. We, we know what happens just shortly after this as Christ is arrested and, and Peter then denies his Lord three times and and we'd look at that and say well the father didn't answer that prayer Peter's faith failed, denied his Lord three times but this word fail it's a word that literally means to to completely utterly fail, it means to, to come to an end, in fact it's used in Hebrews chapter 1 where it says that That God, uh, his years will fail not. In other words, God's eternal. His years will never come to an end. And, And that's a thought here. He prays that his faith would not fail utterly, that his faith would not come to an end. And that didn't happen. Peter did indeed stumble in his faith. Peter certainly faltered in his faith. But his faith did not fail. When he denied his Lord three times and then the the rooster crowed and Christ looked at Peter and Peter went out and he wept bitterly. He acknowledged his sin, he knew he had stumbled in his faith and he turned back to God. He turned back to Christ. His faith did not come to an end, his faith did not fail, it faltered, it did not fail. So Peter's faith did not fail, it did not come to an end. But Christ does imply that his faith would falter. and That he would ne- need to turn back to Christ. And Christ tells him, when you turn back to me, strengthen the brethren. I'm counting on you, Peter. I'm counting on you. Christ implies, indeed, that he's Peter, that is, is, is going to stumble. He's going to turn his back upon Christ. But he says then, when you turn back, when you're converted, he's not talking here about conversion in the sense of salvation. Simply saying that, Peter, you're going to turn your back on me. But then when you turn back to me, when you're converted, that's what the word convert means, to turn back. When you turn back to me, I'm counting on you to strengthen the brethren, Peter. Now again, don't, don't get me wrong. Jesus doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. But He has chosen to use us and He has given us responsibilities and and He's counting on us in that sense to to fulfill those responsibilities. He's counting on us to, to do that which He has planned for us to do. And Christ had plans for Peter. He wanted Peter to strengthen the brethren. and he's going to count on Peter and he's going to pray for Peter so that he would fulfill the responsibilities that Christ planned on Peter to do. The word strengthen here is the idea of to establish, to fix, to make steadfast. Peter, I'm, I'm counting on you to, to really establish these disciples. I'm counting on you to really... Cause them to be steadfast in their faith. As you go through this trial, your faith will be strengthened. I'm counting on you, Peter, to to strengthen the disciples in their faith. To cause them to be steadfast in their faith. To establish them in their faith. Peter, that's your responsibility. I'm counting on you. And as we we go through uh, into the book of Acts... Christ rose from the dead and he's with his disciples for 40 days after the resurrection and he tells them, you stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you and then you'll be witnesses for me. I I just marvel at that uh, passage. In essence, he's saying to the disciples, don't even think about going out to be a witness without the Holy Spirit. It won't work. Don't even think about going out and trying to be a witness and a testimony for, for me until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be my witnesses. And so, for 40 days, Jesus is with them. The 40th day, he has ascended back to heaven. He's told them to stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. And and so they wait. And they wait. A few days go by and they wait. And who is it that stands up and says, we got to do something? Good old Peter. Judas has betrayed our Lord. He's no longer with us. We need to get somebody to take Judas's place. Now, I don't know, Peter, again, just being kind of flamboyant and rash maybe, but, but he just says, we got to do something. He told us not to go out and witness until the Holy Spirit comes, but we can at least replace Judas. So he stands up and he gets the disciples to, to choose Matthias. And then they wait. And ten days later, On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes and they're speaking in tongues and and everybody around them says, these guys are drunk, they're out of their mind. And who is it that stands up and says, these men are not drunk, they're filled with the Holy Spirit and it's just like what Joel talked about, the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. That's what you're seeing here. And then he preaches that sermon and 3,000 souls are saved. Who is it that strengthens the brethren? Who is it that establishes the brethren in their faith? Who is it that causes them to be steadfast in their faith? None other than Peter in the first part of the book of Acts. And then as time goes on, Peter gets arrested. He ends up in jail. And, and the, the authorities say, don't even think about preaching in the name of Jesus. And Peter looks at him and says, you know, you've got to do what you've got to do. I've got to do what I've got to do. I've got to obey God, not man. He strengthens the brethren. Christ prayed for him because he was counting on Peter. And Peter fulfilled the responsibility that God had given to him. He fulfilled that which Christ had planned for him. In the early part of Acts, Peter was used by God to strengthen the believers. Christ has a plan for you. Christ has a plan for me. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. He's counting on us to fulfill that responsibility, whatever it might be. He's counting on us to fulfill that responsibility. He's praying for us that we might do so. Are we surrendered to him to do it? Christ prays for us. Christ prays for us when we are going through trials because he has plans to use us. Peter was going to go through this horrendous trial. He was going to be convicted. He had turned his back on Christ, but he was going to turn back to Christ. And he then was going to fulfill the plan that God had for him. I don't know what trial you may be going through this morning, what challenge you may be facing, but be assured that Christ prays for you. And he does want to teach you through that trial so that you then can be used of Him in a greater and mightier way. He's praying for you. Most of you know that I've had a pretty challenging month with my back and the severe pain that that entails. And some of you know all about it. You've been there. You've had even worse situations. But obviously you're going through that time and you wake up in the middle of the night And the pain is just excruciating, and and you can't sleep. And you you just have have one little hope in your back pocket. I'll take those narcotics that I was prescribed. That'll take the pain away. And so you pop them in, and guess what? It doesn't even touch it. And it's like, now what? That, that, that That was my hope. And you cry out to God, God, take the pain. And then it dawned on me. There's got to be a but to that prayer. God, take the pain, but not until I learn the lesson you're trying to teach me. Well, that wasn't an easy prayer. I wanted to stop, take the pain away. I wanted to stop there. But I realized, no, God, you're teaching me. And I'm kind of thick sometimes, so it might take a little while, but I don't, don't take the pain until I learn what you're trying to teach me. Now, the sad part is that five years ago when I had my accident, I was all busted up on my left side here and, and had excruciating pain, and, and I prayed the same prayer, pain went away, apparently I needed a refresher course. (laughs) I needed to learn it again. I'm not sure I've learned it. The pain is I'm I'm feeling great. Once in a while a little discomfort but pain, I can't really say I have pain. I'm feeling great so pray that I've learned. (laughs) But the point is we go through the trials and as you cry out to God in the midst of that trial, remember, He's praying for you. And yes, He, he may have a, a lesson to teach, but He's praying that you would learn that lesson, that, that then you would, you would fulfill the responsibility that He has planned for you. And, and maybe through that trial, you're going to grow in your faith so that you can then fulfill that plan that He has for you in a much greater way. He's praying for you. What a comfort. What a joy to know in the midst of that trial as you're crying out to Him He's praying for you. Repeatedly we're told in Scripture that Christ is seated at the Father's right hand interceding for us. He's praying for us especially when we're going through those difficult trials. He prays because He loves us. He takes responsibility for us. He knows we're weak. And He's counting on us. He has a plan for us. Will we submit to that plan? Can we rejoice this morning, even in the midst of our challenges? Because Christ is praying for us. Let's bow in prayer. What a joy, what a comfort, what an encouragement, Father, to know that our Savior is seated at your right hand, praying for us. Especially in the midst of those trials, in the midst of those challenges, he prays for us. That in itself can help us to navigate through the trial to bring honor and glory to you. Help us to submit ourselves to what you are trying to teach us each day that we might learn, that we might grow, that we might fulfill the responsibility, the plan that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. trust that you can indeed rejoice this morning as you leave with that wonderful thought. Christ is seated at the Father's right hand interceding, praying for you. Shall we stand? Father, we just ask that you would encourage our hearts this morning. Thank you for your word and its truths. May we recognize those truths. May we continually Dwell upon those truths as we would think upon these things. Guide us now in our Sunday school hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Morning. May God bless you.